0: This afternoon, God's word comes to us about Christ's humanity, as we confess it in Lord's Day 14. In connection with that, we're going to read a couple of passages from Luke. First, Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 26. And as we read the narrative of the announcement of uh, the angel Gabriel to Mary, take note of how Jesus is portrayed as both the Son of God and also as the Son of Man or the Son of David. So Luke 1, starting at verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David The virgin's name was Mary. having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, considering and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great. Now let's turn to Luke chapter 2. Luke 2, we'll start at verse 39. So we've got a passage about Jesus' development and growth as a child, and then the incident at the temple when he was 12 years old. So Luke 2, we'll start at verse 39. So when they had performed, that's Mary's parents, or sorry, Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph... So when they had performed all things according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own city, Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong in spirit, filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. His parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. When they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeking him. So it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed and And his mother asked him, said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, Why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So far, reading from God's word. Let's now turn to our confession. We've got Lord's Day 14. Found on page 878 in our Psalter hymnal. Verse 14, there we confess. What does it mean that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary? That the eternal Son of God, who is and remains true and eternal God, took to himself, through the working of the Holy Spirit, from the flesh and blood of the Virgin Mary, a true human nature, so that he might also become David's true descendant, like his brothers in all things except for sin. How does the holy conception and birth of Christ benefit you? He is our mediator, and in God's sight he covers with his innocence and perfect holiness my sin in which I was conceived. Dear brothers and sisters in Lord's Day 13 we confess that Jesus is truly God He is the second person of the Trinity and such He alone is the eternal natural Son of God because of His work for us on the cross we may now be God's children by adoption not because we deserve it but by grace for Christ's sake at the same time Jesus is also our Lord. With His precious blood, He ransomed us, body and soul, from the power of the devil. And because of this, we are able to call Him Lord. There is no doubt that our Savior is divine. For He is God Himself. And that is necessary, for as we also learn in Lord's Day 6, the only one who can bear the wrath of God against our sins is God Himself. If Jesus was not God, our Lord, then He could also not be our mediator and Savior. But the mediator needed to be more than God in order to be able to save us. God declared that man had to pay for sin. And so for our mediator to qualify to be able to pay for our sin, He had to be a man as well. So because of this, the second person of the Trinity... The Son of God took on true human nature. The true human nature, true human from the line of David, He qualified to save us. And Jesus also had to be a sinless human in order to save us. A righteous human. So Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit as a sinless child born from the Virgin Mary. And He did all of this to cover our sins. This afternoon, we look at what each of us personally confesses. The Son of God took on true, sinless human nature to cover my sins with His righteousness. We look at three points. First, the Son of God took on true human nature. Secondly, the, true, the Son of God took on a sinless human nature. And thirdly, the Son of God covers my sins with His righteousness. The Son of God took on true, sinless human nature to cover my sins with His righteousness. The Son of God took on true human nature. To qualify to be our mediator, Jesus had to be human. Adam and Eve were told that they would die for their sins. At the same time, an offspring or seed of the woman was promised who would crush the head of the serpent. Later, Abraham was told that he would be a blessing to all nations. Then David was told that he would receive an offspring who would rule forever on his throne. So our mediator had to be the true seed or offspring of David. David, who was the offspring of Abraham. Abraham, who was the offspring of Eve. So the Son of God took on true human nature And did you notice a specific wording here? He took on true human nature, not he became human. This is very important. The Son of Man did not become a man. He did not change into a man. Instead, he took on himself true human nature. When the Son of God was born man or As the baby named Jesus, he still remained God. While his divine nature, his nature as God, was hidden, it did not disappear. It did not change into a human nature. God cannot stop being God. So the Son of God did not stop being God. When he humbled himself to take on human nature, Jesus, as a baby and as an adult, was both true God and true man. But how could the second person of the Trinity, the Son of God, take on a second nature? How could he also be true human? A man born from the line of David, through the working of the Holy Spirit, from the Virgin Mary. Mary was from the line of David. She was a true descendant of King David, meaning that her son would be of the royal line. And she was also a virgin. She was engaged to Joseph, also from the line of David, but they had not yet been married. They still lived apart. God chose this young woman from the line of David and then made her pregnant by the Holy Spirit. In this way, the child that was conceived was from the line of David, a true human, an offspring of the woman at the same time the child was also the son of God as the angel Gabriel told Mary the child will be called the son of the Most High and the son of God and he would be given the throne of his father David so in one way Jesus is different from us he was and still is the son of God the second person of the Trinity On the other hand, he is like us in every respect. He is a human born from the flesh and blood of Mary, born into the royal line of David, born as Abraham's offspring, born as the seed of the woman. While on earth his divinity was hidden, when he preached in his hometown, those he grew up with responded, Is not this the carpenter's son? And is not his mother called Mary? Are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not his sisters with us? There was no doubt to those that he grew up with that he was a man just like his brothers. Just like every other man in the town. And it's important for us to remember this. One of the early heresies that attacked the church taught that Jesus was not really a man. That he just looked like a man in outward appearance but was just an illusion. This teaching was known as docetism. These people said that Jesus had not really taken on the flesh and blood of Mary. That was below God. He could not have done that. But instead he said that he was purely the work of the Holy Spirit. That he had just used Mary as a conduit to come into the world. Though he had been born from Mary... He did not share Mary's DNA. However, if that was true, then he would not be a true man. Then he would not be the offspring of the woman promised by God in Genesis. Then he would not be the offspring of Abraham through whom all the world would be blessed. The king in the line of David who would rule forever. Then he would not qualify to be our Savior. So if you ever come across this teaching, let it disgust us to the core. Let us reject it as a teaching that attacks our God by calling Him a liar. Let us reject it as a teaching that attacks our very salvation. That brings us to our second point. The Son of God took on a sinless human nature. In one way, there was nothing special about Jesus. He was a normal child. He grew and developed like any other child. Mary and Joseph would have seen him go through all the stages of development that we see our children go through. As we read and read in Luke, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, something that we hopefully we say for all our children. But in another way, there was something special about him. He was sinless. Through a miracle by the Holy Spirit, He was not born with our sinful nature. He shared our human nature. He was 100% human like us. He just was not sinful from conception. While there would have been thousands of incidents that Mary and Joseph could have told us about how Jesus was different from a chi- as a child, how He was so sinless, we are given very little by God. However, we are given an incident when he was 12 years old. The incident tells us quite a bit about Jesus as a 12-year-old and also about his life before that. Now imagine this. A 12-year-old boy from the countryside of Galilee coming to the big city of Jerusalem. What an exciting adventure. So much to see, so much to do. But what does Jesus do? When his parents realize that they've lost him as such, when he's not back with them, going back to them on the way to Galilee, they look throughout all Jerusalem trying to find him. A normal boy would have been somewhere in the city, likely exploring. Maybe Jesus was still still doing that. Maybe he had gotten lost. But where did they find him? In the temple, surrounded by the teachers of the law. Listening to them, asking them questions. As a 12 year old boy, he knew what was important in life. His heart was right. And that meant that he wanted to learn more about God. He wanted to know the Scriptures. I'm sure you noticed the reaction of the teachers those who knew the Scriptures, who studied all their life, who were experts in the Scriptures. They were amazed at his understanding of the scriptures, at his answers. To put that in today's situation, to be like one of the 12-year-olds here, just starting catechism, speaking to seminary professors and amazing them at their understanding of Scripture. There was no question as to where Jesus' heart was. There was no question as to where his heart had been in his childhood leading up to this moment. He loved the Lord. He loved the scriptures and wanted to understand them. He wanted to learn and grow in his knowledge of them. His childhood was a godly childhood. One focused on God. One that is so far above our experience of childhood that it's clear to us that he was not a sinner. From conception to death, he kept the law. As an infant, he was presented before God at the temple, according to the law. As a child, he grew in wisdom, being favored by God. Throughout his childhood, he eagerly learned more about God than his word. When he was 12 years old, he had to be in his father's house, at his father's business. Among the teachers of the scriptures, listening to them, asking them questions. And after he went home as a teenager, he continued to increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. He loved and served the Lord with all his heart, with all his mind, with all his strength. He did what we cannot do. This meant that he was righteous before the law of God, that no one could condemn him of any sin. The Jewish leaders had to turn to false witnesses to try to find something against him. And remember that God's covenant law was quite specific. There are so many things that a Jew had to do every day. There were so many opportunities to slip up and sin. And yet, they could not find anything against Jesus. Even though the last three years of his life have been lived very much in the public view. He often had crowds around him. And not all those who followed him stayed with him. Many left him because of his teachings. They were not happy with him. They did not like him. And yet there was not one of them that could bear witness of any sin that Jesus had done. Crowds also included people. Jewish leaders and their disciples who knew God's law inside out. They were watching him, trying to catch him out so they can condemn him as a sinner. The leaders even plotted to try to entangle him in his words. They sent people to ask him tricky questions, to try to trip him up so that they could condemn him. And yet, they never could. Our media loves dishing up the dirt, exposing the sins of those in leader, leadership positions or those who are famous. And they find things all the time, which is not surprising, for their targets are sinners. Yet no one could find anything against Jesus. Although they eventually charged him with saying that he was the Son of God and thus God himself, it was true. It was not a sinful, false claim Jesus was sinless. Brothers and sisters, as we go through our various stages of life, we can be reminded that Jesus did the same. That means that as a young child, he had to deal with the struggles of a young child, with brothers and sisters and friends who refused to share their toys, with brothers and sisters and classmates who were bullies, As a teenager, he had to deal with the the sexual temptations that come with the age and with the temptation to follow the culture of the day. As an adult, he had to deal with the, the hardships of adult life, including the hardships of work. He also had to deal with the pain and suffering that can so often accompany death. Jesus knows what it's like to live as a fellow human in a sinful world. That's why the author to the Hebrews says that when we come to him as our high priest, we come to someone who can sympathize with our weakness, with someone who has been tempted just like us. Jesus understands us. He has been tempted just like us, as a human. Only he did it without sinning. He never had to be told off or refusing to share his toys. He never bullied or teased anyone. He never responded to bullying or teasing with violence or with hatred. He never committed any sexual sins, not even in his mind. He bore the hardships of adult life without grumbling. He bore the suffering that led to his death without complaining. From conception to death, he was without sin. Jesus was just like us. He lived in a sinful world just like us. He had to suffer all the injustices that come with it. He had to deal with all the temptations constantly surrounding him. And yet Jesus was without sin. He was conceived and born without a sinful nature. Just like Adam and Eve were created without a sinful nature. With all the temptations that he faced in his 33 years on earth... He did not give in to temptation once. The Son of God took on a sinless human nature. And in the midst of a sinful world, He remained sinless. And That brings us to our third point. The Son of God covers my sin with His righteousness. Son of God did not take on a human nature and then live a sinless life in the middle of a sinful world for no purpose. So why did he do this? It was not done just to give us an example of how to live a godly life in a sinful world. It was not also to end the old covenant so that he could make a new covenant where instead of keeping the law to earn salvation, we now only have to believe to earn salvation. To give us an easier way to earn salvation. No. He took on human nature. And lived a holy life to give us salvation. Christ came to fulfill the law. Not to abolish it. So the law still needs to be kept. And no matter how good an example we are given. We are not able to keep the law. We are conceived and born in sin. By nature, we love to do what is wrong and hate to do what is right. When we compare ourselves to Jesus at 12 years old, we fall so far short. The 12-year-olds in this congregation will have to admit that they don't spend so much time studying the Scriptures that they could amaze seminary professors. I'm sure the 70-year-olds in this congregation's I'll have to confess that even though they've spent, had five times as much time to, to study the Scriptures, they wouldn't want to be compared to Jesus at 12 years old. And we are 12-year-olds, 70-year-olds, uh, however many-year-olds, who've had the Holy Spirit work in us for years to lead us to grow in our love for God and His Word. Without that, we would hate God's Word. That's who we are by nature. We were conceived and born in sin. Because we are conceived and born in sin, we need more than just a good example. We need more than just an easier way to earn salvation. We need a mediator, someone to stand in between us and God, and someone to fix the broken relationship, the relationship we broke with our sin. And for us to have a good relationship with God, to avoid His eternal wrath, we need to be holy. We need to be the people who always do the right thing and never do the wrong thing. We need to be those who have never rebelled against God. Not only that, we need to be those who have always loved our lives and loved God and lived our lives wholeheartedly for Him. And in this life, that is not us. That will never be us. We will never be perfectly holy and innocent of ourselves if we were to look at ourselves it'd be hopeless but brothers and sisters we are not hopeless Jesus was born as a true human in the line of David and lived a perfectly holy and innocent life to cover our lives as our mediator and savior he stands in our place he not only bore the punishment for our sins He also lived a holy life for us. God imputes to us Jesus' righteousness. God looks at Jesus' innocence and perfect holiness and then credits it to us. We are seen as innocent and perfectly holy in the eyes of God because Jesus was innocent and perfectly holy. As the catechism says, in God's sight, he covers with His innocence and perfect holiness my sin in which I was conceived. Brothers and sisters, we are unable to present ourselves as innocent and perfectly before, perfect before God. If we honestly look at ourselves, all we see is a sinner. A sinner who keeps on sinning despite the work of the Holy Spirit in us. But do not let that discourage you. If we keep looking at ourselves for innocence and perfect holiness, then we will be discouraged. For there is no hope there. We were conceived and born in sin, and the battle against our sinful nature will not be won in this life. That does not excuse sin, but it does call us not to look at ourselves for innocence and perfect holiness. Instead, We must look at Jesus for our innocence and perfect holiness, for our righteousness. He is our mediator between God and us. He is the one who covers our sinful life with His innocent and perfect holiness. There is no other way to be innocent and holy before God. And we must not only look at Him, for there is no hope anywhere else. We also may look at Him God has given us our son to be our righteousness, our innocence, our perfect holiness. As we continue to battle our sinful nature, let us never forget that we do not do it in order to be saved. We are already perfectly righteous, innocent, and holy in God's sight, for Jesus is our righteousness. We do not come have to come up with our own righteousness in order to be saved. We already have Jesus' righteousness given to us. Brothers and sisters, there are some who deny that Jesus was truly human. But then, he would not have qualified to pay for our sins. There are some who deny that Jesus was sinless. They might admit that he was more holy than others, and, but not, they won't go as far as to say that he was sinless. But if he was not sinless, then he would need to pay for his own sins. Then he could not pay for our sins. Then he could not have the righteous life that we need to be imputed to us, credited to us. Then we could not be considered righteous as those who have kept the law in the sight of God because of our mediator. So let us always confess that Jesus took on true human flesh. He became a man, a human, just like us. And yet, despite going through all the temptations that we face, he did all of this without sin. He was conceived without sin. He, born without sin, lived a perfectly holy holy and innocent life. And because of this, his righteousness covers our sins in the eyes of God. Because of Jesus, we are seen as pure and innocent before God. Brothers and sisters, let each one of us confess. Praise God for sending His own dearly beloved Son to take on true, sinless human nature in order to cover my sin. Amen. Let's come before our God in prayer. Lord God, thank You that your son was willing to take on human nature for us. Thank you. That he was willing to suffer life in a sinful world. To live a sinless life for us. Lord. that's a gift beyond measure. Our Lord Jesus did not need to do that. We know that. You could have left us in our sin. You could have punished us as we deserved. And yet, you sent your Son to live amongst us, to suffer amongst us, in order to cover our sin, in order to pay for our sin, in order to be our righteousness. And Lord, we thank you for this. Thank you that you credit your Son's perfect innocence and holiness to us. It is a gift beyond measure. We thank you for it. Help us to always depend on your Son for our righteousness and never on ourselves. For we know that that is hopeless. Strengthen us in our faith, Lord.